So this morning we're concluding our series on uh, New Covenant Lenses, so that we're, the series has been about seeing the world, seeing our circumstances, seeing God, seeing ourselves through the finished work of the Lord Jesus, which transforms how we see the future, how we see our past, and how we view ourselves. And today we're looking at reaping and sowing, which is amazing, so some of the prophetic stuff we've just been uh, hearing. You know, this is so obvious, but it's profound, that the decisions we make today, the choices we make today, are shaping the person we become in the future. Amen. It's true that we're always becoming who we will be. Right this moment, you're headed somewhere. All of us. We've all made choices, multiple choices already today, and those choices are taking us somewhere. And so if we want to transform our lived-out experience of God and intimacy and our identity and the loving impact we have on the world, to transform the future or to transform the harvest, we need to change the seed. It's always as simple as that. To get another outcome, we need another decision. To change the harvest we reap, we need to change the seeds that we sow. And it's so obvious in the natural world, if you want tomatoes, you have to plant tomato seeds. True? Doesn't matter how much you wish the tomatoes were corn, it won't become corn unless you plant Amen. corn seeds. Amen. Doesn't matter how much you stamp and grit your teeth, it won't transform a tomato seed into a corn seed. You have to change the seed to change the harvest. Now that's an unstoppable reality. In the kingdom of God, if you want to reap joy, you want shalom and peace and wholeness and tranquility. If you want freedom, you want an abundantly fruitful life. The Bible says you need to sow to the Holy Spirit. You need to make choices, <coughs> daily choices that line up to planting seeds that will lead to a harvest of joy, peace, freedom, self-control. Equally, if you want to reap some kind of spiritual slavery that robs you of your joy, robs you of your peace, robs you of your freedom, then sow to what the Bible says, the flesh. Mm. And we've learned in this series that the flesh, the ego, is all about independence from God. It's all about being our own saviour without God. The flesh is about resisting the gospel of free grace and instead trying through striving and working in legalism to get your own acceptance with God through your behaviour. The Bible says essentially, the spirit gives life, the flesh, the ego, the independence makes things fall apart. And so we're into Galatians 6. And Paul in Galatians 6 verse 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man 
reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So in this passage, Paul, in the context of Galatians, remember he's talking about living with a new covenant lens. He's saying you need to live in the reality that Jesus Christ finished everything on our behalf and for us and that he gives us the gift of faith that we can believe that and that Jesus plus anything spoils everything. That's what Galatians is about. They've been adding laws and rules and do's and don'ts and other practices that's taken them away from solid confidence in Christ and he has in essence made them spiritual slaves. And so in these verses, Paul is encouraging us into something of deep thought. He's saying, what we believe is taking us somewhere. And he's asking us, where are you, your beliefs, where are my beliefs taking me? Yeah. And we can read those verses and we can think, wow, that sounds really harsh. Don't be deceived. Yeah. God cannot be mocked. And what he's saying is, not that God is this vengeful God who's looking to curse people. Remember in the book of Galatians, as we've read it, Jesus took <coughs> our curse upon him. And so he's not saying, don't be deceived. God is not vengeful looking to punish. It's just this. The moral and the spiritual world works according to this reality. You do reap what you sow. Now that's not talking about salvation. Jesus reaped what we sowed. We deserved a harvest of the cross, separation and death. But he is saying that what we sow, the seeds we sow, mattered. Sow to the flesh, you reap, it all falls apart and disintegrates. Sow to the spirit, you reap a life of joy, peace, shalom. Every choice you and I make, makes us a little different. You are a little different this morning because you got up and came here. You'll never be the same again. You've been in the company of brothers and sisters worshipping God. What you heard, the exhortations you heard, the family worshipping God together has done something spiritual to you. You made a choice and probably there was sacrifice in that choice. Probably this afternoon there's work you've still got to do for your job that's on Monday morning that you've got to do in the afternoon. You made a choice, you sowed a seed. And what did you get? You, you're reaping probably already a sense of God and a sense of peace. Every choice you make makes you a little different. And so when Paul is saying, don't be deceived, he's saying this. We are all tempted to believe that we can sow seeds of sin and still reap a harvest of blessing. Mm. That we can sow envy and strife and worldliness and laziness and lust and pride and still reap a harvest of joy and life and fruitful relationships. Amen. He's saying don't be deceived. Amen. 
That's not how the universe works. That's not how spiritual reality works. You can't sow to those things and ultimately reap life, joy and peace. Why do we get deceived? Most of the time because nothing at first seems to happen. Amen. We sow these seeds and we think, well, nothing seems to have happened. It's not done me any bad. But Paul is saying the seed can rest in the ground. Good seeds can rest in the ground. Sowing to generosity. Sowing to love. Sowing to sacrifice. Sowing to giving. But these seeds rest in the ground. And at first there seems to be no effect. Nothing happens for a long time. But when he says Don't be, God can't be mocked. He's saying look. The universe works according to realities and principles that God has put in place. Amen. At some point, those seeds are going to come through yes. the ground yes. and we'll see. And so when we look to the future and we think, in the future, I want to be this kind of person. I want to have this kind of impact. I want to bear this kind of fruit. I want to have this kind of service for God. We need to ask ourselves some honest and probing questions about the life we're living Amen. in the present. Amen. Okay, so he talks about sowing to the flesh. And so we can ask ourselves, or we can say like David says in the Psalms, search me, know me, see if there is anything in, going on in my heart and lead me like a good shepherd into the ways everlasting. And so we can ask God, where am I compromising? Am I nursing small grievances? The kind that grow and fester into hatred of those closest to me. Do I treat those around me with respect and kindness? Or do I show off my perceived superiority? When I wrong somebody, do I repent thoroughly? Seek forgiveness sincerely, make restitution, amends quickly, and then move on with you and with other people properly. And what about my life with my computer and my phone in this digital age? What do I do with my screens? What am I clicking on and searching for? Or what content do I push play on and ask for more. All these microscopic choices, all these little tiny things, they're taking us somewhere. It's a really hard thing that the person we are today is what we reaped or sowed five years ago, most probably. So take our life as a whole. Take all your everyday, even the small choices, the good choices, the good seed, they're all slowly taking you somewhere. They're shaping the way you see God, the way you see yourself, and the way you see other people. And then slowly you're becoming outwardly someone. Not immediately, but inevitably. Definitely. This is a really interesting quote by the great writer C.S. Lewis who wrote the Narnia books, and he wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And he talks about the choices we make. So C.S. Lewis, the great writer, says, the choices we make 
are either turning us into a creature, a person, who is in harmony with God and with other people and creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures, humans, and with itself. To be one kind of creature is heaven. That is, it is joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, idiocy, being an idiot, rage, impotence, powerlessness, and even eternal loneliness. Each of us at each moment is progressing into one state or the other. I believe when he says eternal loneliness, it's not that salvation is free, it's an absolute free gift. It's unconditional agape love. Amen. Amen. But right now, you might have had people sow seeds about Jesus again and again and again and again and again. And you said, no, not now. Not now. I don't want his lordship. Not now. I don't want his lordship. I don't want him. I don't want to follow him. And that's where C.S. Lewis is saying eternal loneliness. All, all these things are taking us somewhere. And we can say, oh, but it, it, it does. I don't need God. I'm doing okay without God. I don't want to surrender to Christ. And nothing's happening to me. I'm blessed. I'm doing well. But Paul is saying, don't be deceived. The universe works in this reality one day, dear friend, one day we're in front of the throne of grace. These things are taking us somewhere. And so as we've read those quotes, this is the good news. The gospel is good news. You might think, oh, I'm deeply convicted. I, I'm, I've been sowing seeds that definitely have taken me to a place I don't want to be. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus reaped what we sowed. He reaped what we sowed. He got treated like he was the worst ever person who'd ever walked the earth. He took our stripes. He took what we deserved. He took the punishment that was for our sin. He roped, reaped what we sowed. And the gospel says your failures can be forgiven. Traitors can be redeemed. Jesus is real. His blood is powerful. He is with you and for you. And so you might think, I'm stuck. I, I'm sowing seeds and I cannot get out. You come to him and just say, I'm stuck. I'm powerless. I need your power. I want to change the seed because I want to change the harvest. Come to me. Help me. You said, Jesus, that... that you were anointed by the Holy Spirit to set the captives free and release the prisoner. And he's still doing that this very moment. And so you seek him in your powerlessness and you seek him where you're stuck. And you say, please help me. I want to surrender to you. And for others, it might be search me and know me. Move me on properly. So these 17 chapters have awakened us to the unconditional love of God. Let me say three things to sow to the Spirit. The first one, we need the gift of being awakened to the unconditional love of God. 
We need to be in a space where we know we are loved because we are loved and we know we are wanted because he says we're wanted and we know we're sons and daughters because he has made us, he has made us sons and daughters and we're co-heirs with Christ that we are awakened to the love of God, that our relationship with the Father, with the Spirit, is exactly the same as the relationship that the Lord Jesus enjoyed with the Father while he was on earth. It's no less, Abba, Father, you are my son, you are my daughter, and with you I am well pleased. Living awakened to the love of God is the is the foundation of our lives, it's the foundation of all our obedience, it's the foundation of all our generosity, it's the foundation of all our sacrifice, it's the foundation of all our giving, and it's the foundation of all our love, that we are awakened to love, and we are awakened to the unconditional love of God. Secondly, after being awakened to the reality of love, the new birth, the new creation, given as a gift of the Spirit, empowers us with a teachable, flexible, malleable heart. And then from this place of the new birth, we live with grace-filled, life-giving practices that cause us to walk and remain and abide in love. First, he awakens us to unconditional love. Second, he says, with me, Abide with me, walk with me, remain in me. Take these life-giving practices so that you might walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and remain in the Spirit. And then finally, walking by the Spirit is this. All of this awaken to love, abiding in love, manifests to the world as loving service of people. Paul says after saying about reaping and sowing, if the spirit gives life and the flesh gives disintegration, he says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So the gospel awakens us to love, reconnects us to God, gives us tracks to run on so we remain in love, But the gospel doesn't just reconnect us to God, it reconnects us to one another and to people and to a mission to the world. Walking by the Spirit manifests as loving the world. Tim Keller, the late Tim Keller, an amazing preacher and thinker, says this, Christianity is not primarily about meetings, programs, or even conversions. Mm but doing good to the person in front of you, giving him or her what is best for them. And so Paul says, as we have opportunity, no individual person, no individual local church can meet all the needs of all the people. But Paul says, as we have opportunity, the call of of God on each of our lives is live awakened to love, remain in love, and then loving service to people, which is doing good to the person who is in front of you. Discovering what they need and what is best for them in that moment. Answering the questions that they're asking. Meeting the needs that they're presenting. Is it a material need? 
Is it a community social need? Mm. Is it in that moment the most pressing thing, a spiritual need? That they need in that moment they're aware and awake to be reconnected to God and come home. Mm. Slowing down enough to notice the people around us. We don't love people as a means to an end. We love them unconditionally as we have been loved not in order to convert them to Christ. And so it might at times be it's a social way of loving, a material way of loving, and a spiritual way of loving. Of course, the greatest good we can do for any human being is reconnect them through the gospel to the Father. But everybody moves at their own pace, and we need to move at the pace that they are showing. And then Paul says, doing good especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I believe he says that because the church is a gift to one another and we're called to be light that shines to the world. And Jesus said, they will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. And Jesus said, you'll be a city on a hill that will shine into the darkness, declaring the kingdom of God and that you are an outpost of heaven. Amen. And so, as we land this series... This gospel creates a lifestyle of loving brothers and sisters. What needs do you see in the family that you have opportunity through love to meet? What do you have in your hands that you could use to love brothers and sisters and love the world really, really well? Could it be that you can welcome people and when it's really scary walking into a new place, you're there to love them and to welcome them and to make them feel at ease. Maybe you love food and you love hospitality and you want to surprise and delight people and you want to show the love of God through food. Jesus was either going to a meal, coming for a meal, and he's always eating with people. Maybe you want to create community. You want a place where people can walk deeply with one another, where they can be seen and known and loved and accepted. And where you can pour in what you know. You don't have to know very much. You just have to know one thing more than the person you're loving and discipling. And as you're doing it, you'll learn more. Maybe loving really well is generosity in terms of money and time and energy. That enables the local church to love the community in new ways. Amen. Whatever it is, seed costs. It will cost you something to do loving service. It's going to cost you. You're going to be giving something. It might be you won't have as much money. We don't give money just so it overflows, so we have more money. We give money because we've been loved and God, Jesus, became poor for us and poured himself out. And then we're overwhelmed by love. We love the world. And then we give our money, so the money goes to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden so the world can see it. Amen. Not just so that our economies are slightly better because we gave money. Amen. And so we give money because we want the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to go into all the earth. So that every man, woman and child might have opportunity to know that God loves them unconditionally. Amen. And so that we can express that love in different things like the cafe on a Friday and other things that God will give us to do. Hallelujah. Sowing seed 
will cost you your options. Yes. It will. Yeah. It will cost you your options. Every Saturday night, for 30 years, it's cost me my options, our options. Because I'm not going out. I never did. Because I want to be where the people of God are. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. So it costs options. Sometimes it costs you status. There are opportunities that you can't take. You didn't take. So often it costs us our time and our convenience. But Paul says, don't go weary in doing good. At the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Don't give up loving people. There's a reward that's even greater than the cost of the seed. And you will reap. And sometimes in this loving service, we don't reap quickly. Sowing to the Spirit requires us not to grow weary in doing good. There is always a delay between the seed and the harvest. Always a delay. There are deeper harvests that happen even when we don't meet with much outward success at the beginning. We find in deciding, I'm following you, Jesus, with everything I have, my gifts and my talents, my time, my ability, everything that I am, I'm pouring it out to honour and glorify you because there's no one like you. And we do that day after day after day, year after year, decade after decade, and we find our character is deeply transformed through loving service. Our hearts become happier. Somehow we get wonderfully set free. And in it we find our lives become deeply fulfilling. Even when maybe you're thinking, the job I do is not the job I'm qualified for. It's so beneath what I used to do before. Different, I'm not saying that's easy. I'm just saying, if you go there and say, this is going to be loving service. Who is in front of me? Who is in front of me? Who can I love? What needs can I meet? What opportunities do I have? As we end this series, we're going to move into another series on agape love, unconditional love, from 1 Corinthians 13. This love looks like something. How we love one another and how we love the world. God, we want to thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to thank you for the radical nature of the gospel. We want to thank you that incredibly we are 100% accepted in the beloved. And maybe you're here this morning thinking, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I've never ever said I want to follow him. He invites you into his life. He says, come into my life. Come into my joy. Come into my liberty. Come into my freedom. Come into my hope. I'm inviting you into my life. And you just have to say, all right, I don't know much. I haven't got a huge theological understanding of all the cross and everything and what happened. But I'm hearing an invitation. And so you just... Say yes. 
And so, God, we thank you for the call on the church, mm. the, the local church, us, and all the other local churches, mm. and our calling to love the world. Mm. And I pray for each of us here that we would go on, on such an adventure with you where we find that each of us have things in our hand, things that God has given, stories to tell, talents that we have, supernatural gifts that you didn't even know you had that get awakened in loving service of people. Thank you, God. I'm just going to sit and just be with the Holy Spirit just a couple of minutes. We just invite him to come <coughs> to draw us, captivate us to awaken us to love <coughs> thank you <coughs> Spirit, I ask you for each person that we would identify just one seed that we could start sowing this week. Maybe it's to wake up every morning and to be reminded, I am loved, I am accepted, I am forgiven, I am chosen, I am wanted, I am connected to God. Maybe that's the seed you sow every day. Maybe it's to slow down and to notice people. Maybe it's to walk the streets intentionally looking out. Where can loving service break out this morning, today, at this bus stop? Just one seed. We don't have to think of hundreds of things. Just one thing. And do it every day.